Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. Ephesians 4.26, be angry, don't sin, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, this means unforgiveness, nor give place to diabolos. When you go to bed on unforgiveness, it's an open door to the slander. The word diabolos there means slander. And what it means is today's anger is fine. Today's anger is very manageable, no problem with that. We every day deal with the issue of people that have hurt us and the issue of forgiveness, we're all good. When you go to bed on anger, the devil, he's slithery. Remember, he's stealthy. What makes him dangerous is we don't know it's him. He comes in, he implants a lie, slithers out. We never know he came, we never know he went, but our unforgiveness and unwillingness to forgive left an open door. Be angry, that's fine, even God gets angry. Don't sin, don't justify bad behavior. Don't go to bed on it. Or you will give an opening to Diablos to come and slander the person that uh, you are holding this bitterness against. You will wake up, if, if you go to bed on anger, you will be counseled by the devil and you don't know it. You will have deeply embedded thoughts about your spouse, about your peers, about people around you that are totally deceived and you think you're enlightened. You've been deviled, you didn't know it. Unforgiveness opens a door for the devil to come and to oppress us. And so when, when God says that it's torment or it's torture, it is, relationally and socially. Division, racism, think about all of the, all of the devastation that hatred has caused, wars, violence, divorce, lawsuits, on and on and on. Here are three sayings about forgiveness. The number one, the poison of unforgiveness damages the vessel it is stored in worse than anything you can spit it on. Unforgiveness damages us and, and God won't do anything about it. The answer is forgiveness. Forgiveness, this is the second saying, forgiveness doesn't make them right, it just makes me free. When I forgive a person, I'm not saying they're right. I'm just saying I wanna be free. Forgiveness, the third saying is, forgiveness is one of the most self-loving things you will ever do. I've ministered a lot of freedom and a lot of inner healing to a lot of people. Forgiveness is the mother of all issues. If you're hurting from something that a person has done to you, mother, father, stepmother, stepfather, whoever it might have been, if you won't forgive, you won't be healed, period. You will carry the scar for the rest of your life until you come to the place where you're willing to forgive. This is the mother of all issues. If we don't forgive from the heart, God says that he will not forgive our sins. Doesn't mean that we lose our salvation. But in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus goes through the Lord's Prayer and part of the Lord's Prayer is forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? That's the deal. He'll give us as much grace as we give away. It's the, when Jesus finished in Matthew 6, teaching us the Lord's Prayer, the only part he repeated in Matthew 6, 15, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Forgiveness is conditional on the fact that we would forgive. So it's shocking how seriously God takes the issue. The second thing, it's shocking how petty unforgiveness seems from God's perspective. God is in heaven looking down on us not forgiving and Jesus tells the story, now a talent, if a talent is $1,000, and that's the lowest valuation I could find in studying for this message, how much is a talent worth? $300,000. 
Some of the commentaries that I read said it's one talent, a talent is 60 to 70 pounds of silver or gold. So a thousand is the least I could find. 300,000 was one of the measurements there. That's $3 billion. So Jesus is telling a story about a man who owed his master a zillion dollars that he could never repay. That's the point of the story. And he forgave him, and then the man goes out and finds a fellow servant who owes him $20,000, 100 denarii. So let me, let, me tell you, let me tell you the valuations here. This, this man owed his master 200,000 man years of labor. What this master forgave the servant, he could have hired 200,000 men for a year. That's how much money this is. And after having been forgiven zillions of dollars by his wonderful master, he goes out and he finds someone who owes him $20,000 and starts beating him and they beg him for forgiveness and he says no. And the fellow servants go and tell the master what he's done and the, the, the master is furious. This is, this is what unforgiveness seems like. And I'll say something more about this in just a minute. The third thing is it's shocking how much different we are from God when it comes to the issue of forgiveness. We're, we're not liking I mean, we want to be, and some, maybe if we're mature, we are, but that's what this story is saying, how unlike God we are in the issue of forgiveness. Psalm 108, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. He will not always strive for us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we're dust. How many of you are glad that we have a forgiving God? I mean, you know. He's precious. He's, he's kind, he's slow to anger. He understands that we're just human beings and, and that we struggle. And so when we come back to God's throne of grace, his thrones of grace, throne of grace and mercy, this is how God is and we're so happy about that. But sometimes we want grace but we wanna give out justice. And that's what, that's what the Lord is saying here. This is a poll done by High Beam 94% of Americans believe it's important to forgive, but only half of Americans practice it regularly. And that's according to their research. Let me talk to you about the meaning of forgiveness. When you say, well, I, I, want, I need to forgive somebody, what does it mean to forgive? Let me talk about the meaning of forgiveness. Number one, permanently forgiving all debt and bringing the balance to zero. It means you don't owe me anything. You don't owe me an explanation. You don't owe me an apology. You don't owe me anything. Forgiveness means that there's no debt here. The word forgive in the Greek language is the word aphemi. It means to send away. It means it's gone. It's not, you know, when, when Psalm says, as far as the east is from the west, so far God has removed our sins from us. Do you know why it doesn't say as far as the north is from the south? Because we know how far it is from the north and south. You can measure it. There's a north pole and a south pole. There is, there is no east pole and west pole. The reason that God sends it as far as the east is from the west is he forgets it. God has an ability that we don't have. He can just forget it. And when we, when we get, it doesn't make any difference in our relationship after that. When God forgives you, you're 100% forgiven. It means Jesus paid the price. You don't have to pay it. But someone has to pay it. Someone has to pay it. 
And when I say I forgive you, what I'm saying is I'm willing to pay that price for you. You offended me, you rejected me, you did this to me, I'll pay the price you're forgiven. There's no, there's no debt, that's, that's what it means. That's what the master did, that's what the servant was not willing to do. The second thing that forgiveness means is permanently forfeiting the right of reproach. I'm not gonna grab you and beat you and reproach you on this. Once I've forgiven you, it means it's over. The third thing is permanently foregoing all expressions of private and public judgment. It means I'm not gonna call you names and talk about you privately or publicly. I'm not gonna keep this thing stirred up by talking about it. It means it's over, I'm not gonna talk about it. Here's what forgiveness doesn't mean. This is important. Forgiveness doesn't mean I lose the right of self-protection. If someone is abusing you, get away from them. You, you can still protect yourself and forgive. It doesn't mean that you have to let yourself be a target of further abuse. There are people I choose not to be around. I have forgiven them, but they're abusive, and I won't put myself in that circumstance. Jesus said, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Serpents are wise because they don't present themselves. They, they, they hide themselves. So if you're, if you're in a relationship or you have a person that is abusive or hurtful to you, it's not wrong for you to protect yourself against that. Number two is I have no, uh, what forgiveness does not mean, I have no basis of confrontation. I, I can forgive you but still confront you, especially if you're my spouse. But what you say or do is not, it does not uh, uh, cause me to act one way or the other. In other words, if I confront you and you don't receive what I'm saying, I'm still gonna forgive you. Your response does not condition my forgiveness. I'm gonna come and confront you, but regardless, I'm gonna, I'm gonna forgive you anyway. Number three, it doesn't mean there shouldn't be punishment or consequences. I, I can forgive you, but you may be going to jail. Oh, seriously. You know, there can be a person that commits a crime against you in, or something like that. I can forgive you, but you know, there's still punishment and consequences. That doesn't mean there's not. It doesn't also mean that I can't seek legal or pr police protection. I may have to call the police. I may have to get some kind of legal protection, but it does, here's the issue. What's my spirit? If my spirit is revenge, and vindication, that's not good. If my spirit is to glorify God and to do the right thing for everyone, that's, that's what it is. And sometimes, because I love a person, they need to suffer consequences. There needs to be confrontation. There, I, need, I need to be protected or someone needs to be protected against them. But that, that's the important thing to understand. Here are forms of unforgiveness, because unforgiveness has many forms. Revenge, obviously revenge, murder, violence, abuse, hate, obviously if you're full of hate or bitterness, you've got unforgiveness. Slander, gossip, sarcasm, verbal abuse, name calling, labels, divorce. Jesus told the Pharisees, you divorce because of the hardness of your heart. The way that hearts get hard is one drop of unforgiveness at a time that you go to bed on. Rejection and avoidance for punishment's sake. I'm not, passive aggressive behavior means two things. I'm not gonna do something for you that I know you want, and I'm gonna do something to you I know you don't want. That's what passive aggressive means. Rejection and avoidance for punishment's sake. Withholding good, Jesus said, love your enemies. Transference of affection. It means I'm not gonna give you the affection I once gave you, I'm transferring it somewhere. Bigotry, prejudice, racism, and sexism. Bitterness, which just means rehearsing the hurt. Internally wishing for bad things to happen to them. 
and praying against them. I've known Christians that cursed other Christians, literally spoke a curse on other Christians in the name of Jesus. And so those are forms of unforgiveness. Let me talk about how to forgive from your heart. Because Jesus said we have to forgive from heart, so how do you do that? We have to remember that our sins cost Jesus his life. This is what the foolish servant forgot. Okay, so let me say something to you, and I want you to listen to me. The Romans didn't kill Jesus. The Jews didn't kill Jesus. You killed Jesus. You did. I've only seen Jesus one time in my Christian life, but I saw him. It was the night that I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was about 21 years old. And Karen had gone to bed and I was in the living room and I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, I want everything you have. I wanna be filled with your Holy Spirit. I wanna speak in tongues, but the main thing I want is you. And it was like someone took a barrel of hot oil and poured it over the top of my head and it just went all over me. And at that moment, I saw Jesus hanging on the cross. And it, it was, I saw him vividly and I, I knew two things. I put him there. And the second thing I knew was how much he loved me. His eyes pierced me. And in an instant of time, I knew how much he had suffered because of me and how much he loved me. Can I tell you something? You, you personally killed the most righteous man in the history of the world. And you deserve judgment for it. You deserve judgment. But God in his mercy has forgiven you. A zillion dollars, a zillion dollars. And you say, I, I know that. Okay, Jimmy, I get that. But listen, you don't know what they've done to me. Do you know what you did to Jesus? You know, you know what the Romans did to him? They stripped him naked in front of his mother, mocked him, put a crown of thorns on him, they whipped him. If the shroud of Turin is actually the covering of Jesus, they say he was beaten 400 times. And that was not a regular whip. It had iron in it that stripped the flesh off. They slapped him, they spit on him, they mocked him, and they crucified him. And you did that. Don't blame it on somebody else. You did that. The kingdom of heaven is like a master that came into an account with his servants. And a servant came up that owed him 10,000 talents, this vast sum of money, and he begged for forgiveness. I forgive you. And then he went, went and found a fellow servant that owed him 20, 20 grand, and he wouldn't forgive him. The Lord says, you need to remember what I forgave you. When you go to try to settle accounts with the people who've done you wrong, you need to remember who you are. You remember what you've done. The second thing we have to do to forgive is we have to remember that God loves our offender as much as he loves us. And this, this is the troubling part. This is what you don't like. When, you, when you're really mad at someone, it's, it's hard to, to believe that God really loves them as much because they're such an idiot. <laughs> Isn't it the truth? All unforgiveness begins with devaluing. And if I put a label on you, it gives me the right to mistreat you and not forgive you. Labeling people, seeing people as less valuable to me. I'm saying to you, all human beings are sacred in God's sight and he loves them more than we can comprehend. It's his desire that none would perish, but all would come 
to everlasting life. The third thing we have to do is make a permanent release of their debt and trust God with judgment. We have to bring the balance to zero and trust God, Romans 12. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to, to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Unforgiveness is unbelief. You don't trust God. You don't think God cares. You don't think he can handle it. Forgiveness is saying, I forgive them, and if there's any judgment, it's yours, Lord, not mine. Vengeance is yours, Lord. I, know, I, I trust you that you're going to be fair. I trust you with that person. Number four, we have to bless them and pray for them. How do you forgive from your heart? This is the biggest one. You have to bless them and pray for them. Luke 6, 28, Jesus said, bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully use you. This is, this is really the hardest thing right here. Many people say to me, Jimmy, I've forgiven the person a hundred times, but nothing changes. Well, it's because you won't bless them. So there's, I'm not a hater, I'm, I'm not a hater, but I've hated several people real good. <laughs> real good. I became senior pastor of Trinity when I was 29 years old, never had Trinity in Amarillo, never been to seminary. I was in the appliance business nine months earlier, um, and I was terrified, terrified. And the congregation was real sweet. You know, they, most of them were real sweet. Uh, <laughs> there was one guy that was influential, and he did not want me to be the senior pastor, and he publicly campaigned against me being senior pastor. And he came into an elders meeting with me there as the senior pastor, telling the elders that uh, I should not be the senior pastor. And uh, I, I hated him, I hated the guy, I just did. And uh, I wanted him to die. <laughs> I did, I hated him. I had a little torture chamber down in my heart. I drug him down there six or eight times a day, two or three times a night, just I said, I'm serious. Lord, remember Ananias and Sapphira. We're just one funeral away from revival, Lord. Kill him. Make an example so everybody will fear Pastor Jim. The Lord, Lord, I have a hit list. The Lord will not receive it. So anyway. So Karen said to me one day, your personality's changing. See, regardless of who you hate, the people around you will get the worst of it. You can hate a person who's dead, but the living will get the worst of it. Karen said, your personality is changing. And I was beginning to kind of, you know, snap at Karen. And I felt oppressed. I mean, I, I just mentally and emotionally, I'd always been very close to the Lord, but I didn't feel close to the Lord. I felt oppressed. And I was praying about it one day, and, and really I was not praying for forgiveness. I was praying that the Lord would help me not feel oppressed, but... The Lord said, I want you to bless that man. And I thought, no, I'm not blessing him. Uh-uh. I don't want him blessed. If I, if, you, if I pray for his blessing and you bless him, then I'm mad at you. I got another set of problems. The Lord said, I want you to pray for him what you pray for yourself every day. And I just thought, that's not right. But the Lord never says, well, Jimmy, you're right. And uh, I'm waiting. So I prayed, blessing, and I had my fingers crossed, my toes crossed. <laughs> I didn't mean a word of it. I said, oh, Lord, bless him. You know, oh, he didn't mean it. So next day I prayed, yeah. 
Lord bless him. Third day I prayed, bless him, Lord, you know, Lord day bless him, you know, so. I did that for about 10 days. And one day I was praying. And in just a moment, I saw a little boy standing out in the field. And I knew that something terrible happened to him. And my heart, I saw this in my heart. I just knew that this boy, something horrible just happened to him. And I knew it was the man I hated as a boy. And the Lord said, Jimmy, you see that man for what he did to you. I see that man for what was done to him. Never hated him again. All the hate became compassion. I dismantled a little torture chamber in my heart. Didn't beat him up anymore. And when I heard his name or saw him, my blood pressure didn't go up. I didn't feel anything bad. Blessing forces forgiveness out of your head into your heart. You can forgive out of your head for the rest of your life. It won't change anything. Listen, if you can't bless, you haven't forgiven. And you're saying, Jimmy, you mean you're supposed, I'm supposed to forgive and bless the person who sexually abused me. Yes, you'll never be free till you do. I'm supposed to forgive and bless the person who cheated on me. The man who stole all of our money. The people who have lied about me and destroyed my reputation. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. It doesn't make them right. It just makes you free. And they may owe you 20,000 bucks, but you were forgiven a lot more than that. We have to resist Satan. This is the final thing I'm gonna pray for you. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's always trying to incite offenses. Don't go to bed on anger. Just like Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer every day, Lord, forgive me as I forgive those who have sinned against me. And it's a daily transaction I make with the Lord. This is Brent Evans with Marriage Today. And I wanna thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out marriagetoday.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, videos, articles, and live events.